Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the first day of free agency, and that was a big old pile of money the NBA handed out, mostly to guys going back to their teams. Mike Conley back to the Jazz. Chris Paul back to the Suns. Kawhi Leonard, well, we're not exactly sure. We assume back to the Clippers, but we don't know. We don't have a number on that one yet. Uh, The guys who moved, mostly role players, Spencer Dinwiddie, looks like he's closing in with Washington, and Crusoe apparently headed to Chicago, and and the Lakers did remake their roster. Hey, Dwight Howard again. All right. We'll get into all of that uh, coming up later this morning. Um, A lot of the moves made there, and a lot of stuff still to be done, and See what the Jazz do, if they're going to add more people, how this is going to work out, how they're going to address some of these issues. But uh, the big first moves are usually teams trying to make sure their stars stay home. And Kyle Lowry didn't, right? Kyle Lowry makes the move. That's probably the biggest is that the biggest name making a move? How much has he got left in the tank? We are seeing a lot of guys in their 30s being offered either a lot of money or a lot of years or key roles on teams that are uh, trying to win right now. <laughs> they're going, they're going, the Lakers, man, they got a lot of guys. This guy's over 30. They got a lot of guys at 35 and 36. But we'll weigh into all of that uh, later in the morning. We'll get into all of that. Uh, Summer League starts tonight. Tonight, Wednesday, and Friday. Jazz have two teams going, so uh, with the exception of the early game on Friday, you will see Jazz players. Uh, time to hear from some of the guys who've, who've been on the roster and really need to dominate in the Summer League. If you're going to contribute in the regular season, you got to crush it in the Summer League. Uh, and right now we're going to start off with three of the players, and we'll start with the first-round pick uh, from last year. Udoke Azubuiki. Doke, speaking to the media for just a couple of minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It was tough. It was really tough for me. Like you said, going through that injury, that process. And, um, you know, like you said, like just not being out there on the court, like practicing or, you know, like landing, you know, doing what a regular rookie like me would do. You know, it was kind of tough. And, um, you know, for me, I just had that mindset of just, you know, just trying to rehab, trying to get back right on... um, you know, I'm just I'm just glad I'm I'm here today. Do you feel like you are at hundred percent and kinda of ready to go or do you still feel kinda of Yeah, I think I'm ready to go. Yeah. Most guys get a summer league their first year and you didn't get that, so you kinda of went straight to the G League, you got a little bit early on in the team, but what does this mean for you and, and what are you looking to show? Um Yeah, like I mean it it means a lot for me for my development and everything just to go out there and um for me, you know, just to, you know, prove to myself, you know, like everything I've been working on, you know, and, you know, like watching Rudy and watching the bigs from last year, you know, just kind of like putting everything together and, um, you know, just showing what I can bring to the table, stuff like that. What are you trying to show that you didn't show Kansas that you need to do in the NBA? Um, for me, it's, it's pretty much what the organization want me to do. Like, it's no about what I want to show, it's about like you know, what they want me to do, you know, in terms of, you know, like it's big, you know, running the floor, you know, setting screens, blocking shots, being aggressive, 
you know, stuff like that. You know, just, you know, kind of being that anchor defensively and, um, you know, helping my team on the offensive end too. Where do you feel like you are now compared to, you know, when you came here right out of Kansas? You know, do you feel like things are taking a stand for a lot better? Oh, yeah, definitely, for sure. You know, I, I feel like just watching the guys in front of me, like, you know, kind of like help me, you know, in order to like see everything from a different angle. And, um, you know, when I came from, from college, you know, I still, had, I still had that mindset from, you know, how this, how things, you know, used to run in college. But now, you know, just being around the guys and, you know, being able to play, play in the playoffs, seeing the guys, how they play and everything, kind of like opened my eyes way more and, uh, you know, kind of have a better understanding of, about, the, about the NBA game. A lot, Rudy and, and also Faith. You know, they, you know, it's not much about talking because we don't they don't really communicate much. It's just about just watching them and see what they do. You know, on and off the court. You know, that kind of really helped me out a lot. What's the biggest thing that surprised you about, I guess, the NBA and how it is played so differently than you know, college basketball? Mm, I say the pace. The pace is uh, it's a big part too, and then the skill level. You know, everybody is, is really skilled, and you know you have to do your job and you have to do it the right way. And uh, I think that's uh, that's a big part of it. There's Doke. Now here's Jarrell Brantley. The elder statesman here. What's what's that like now to be in a? I mean, it's only your second summer league, but you've been with the team for a while now. What mm-hmm. are you hoping to show, and what are you telling other guys? Oh uh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm kind of growing with them still in a sense. Uh, even though I've been here, you know, it's, it's comfortable. Um, so, you know, you use what you and you help them with, you, with what you can. But at the same time, I think it's a growing process for all of us. I mean, we're here for a reason. So, I mean, just trying to take in as much as I can. You can take your mask off. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Tough. Is it fun to have Joe here? A blessing. Like, just like we were sitting there um, just talking just now, man. Like, that's my point guard still. So like, it's dope just for us to be in the same like professional environment because I was on a lot of, for a long time, I was on one side of the goal. I mean, one side of the court, and he was on the other side every morning and every afternoon for three years. So like, I know the work that he did to get here, got him here. And I know he can say the same about me. So it's dope. With some of these guys, you like show them what to do in Salt Lake City or where to eat or stuff like that? Like, I mean, given that they're going to be here for the next week? Or? Yeah, for sure. I'm sure I'll do that. Uh, you know, I, all I can tell them is chip cookie. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, nah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I help with any way I can. What's it like kind of being in a situation where, you know, you were on a two-way the last two years and now you're, you know, definitely kind of trying to show that, like, you know, you're in a position to show not just the Jazz but other teams. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I said it, I'm sure, the first time I was here, and I continue to say it, like, the goal is just to keep going and keep getting better. Uh, that's my job, to focus on how I can get better each day. Um, if you look at my first two-way and then my second two-way, like, it may have been the same title, but I honestly, in a, in a way, I felt like I had a whole complete, a completely different role. There was a promotion. Um, I got to get better, like... So if I look at it for myself in my first two years, even though I said it was the same title, I got better uh, in every aspect, honestly. So just taking that, no matter what the title may be, get better.
Where do you feel like you've gotten better most, and, and where do you feel like you still can stand to improve? Uh, I mean, that's so so many things, honestly. I think I shoot the ball better. I think I, um, I'm more aware. Um, I always, like, took pride in being able to have a good IQ, but I think I, I see the game better. Um, just pace, patience. I mean, but I can say all those things, you know, but I'm st I still got to go show it. So you tell me. Considering how last year was, how hard was it to get better with the lack of reps and all that? It was easy. <laughs> um, I mean, I was in here as much as I could be. So, like, I know a lot of people say, and I mean, I agree with it in a sense, like, have to be on the court to get better. But when I wasn't on the court, I was getting better for sure. Is that a good feeling? Does it like show that they want to keep you around and at least have you yeah. protected from other teams, or does it feel restricted? I mean, it's it's a promotion. I focus on what I can control, um, and so I mean, it's a good thing. Anytime you get an opportunity to just keep going, um, it's a blessing. But yeah, I just focus on what I can control, and that's playing the game and being a good teammate, smiling. Um, you know. We didn't talk to you after the season. What did they tell you going into the summer? What did they want to see from you here and then going into next year? I mean, honestly, it was just all good things from my from my side, from what I got out of it. Uh, I think my first year was more so we want to see you shoot the ball better, um, take care of the ball. And I think a part of that was the same conversation, but I didn't really hear that as much. I, I know that for myself. And a lot of ways, like, I'm my biggest critic. I can tell you my flaws and and my positives before, you know, anybody else can. So uh, the goal is just to keep getting better. We just talked to Elijah. We're going to talk to Doak. And I'm curious, since you play and practice with those guys as much as you do, what have you seen from their development over the last year? I mean, they're willing to want to get better. Uh, Eli's gotten better. Eli's focused on defense. Uh, he got it. He has always had poise, but now he has professional poise, and it'll keep getting better. Um, Dokes learning so much. Dokes one of the most athletic dudes I've ever seen. So you'll see it. Um, and he's putting that stuff into place. So, I mean, those dudes getting better. Trent's gotten better. Juwan's gotten better. Like, and we've gotten better together. Um, so those are the things that if I wanted, like, if I had to say, if I want to see whether we make shots or miss shots or whatever it is, I just. I hope that our chemistry shows that we got better together. What exactly do you mean by professional voice? I mean, I think when you come from being in college or wherever you came from and then coming to the NBA, it's a different pace. And a lot of people say it's faster, but honestly, in my opinion, I think it's slower uh, because everybody knows what they're doing. So, you know, like, um, we don't have to move with your head chopped off. And so I think, like, a lot of times, like, I think that's the, that's what he's starting to feel. He's starting to make more sense to him, and it'll continue to get better. But, uh, yeah, his professional poise has uh, definitely, definitely gotten better, and I think it'll continue to grow. There's Jarrell Brantley getting ready for Summer League, and now Elijah Hughes. Well, Elijah, does, he, does this seem like a rookie year all over again, or what, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Um... Yeah, in a sense, you know, I'm just learning. Just I get to get reps now with summer league, which is huge for me. Um, I've been learning a lot. Uh, it's been a huge summer for me. Um, you know, I'm just really, I'm really excited, looking forward to it. You know, I love basketball, I love to hoop, so uh, having the opportunity to you know play, you know, high level minutes in the summer league is what I'm looking forward to, and I just can't wait. Can you tell us? Oh, go ahead. Uh, how tough was it to not get any reps last year? Just the, the 
very few in that summer league or right. in the G League bubble or whatever. But how hard was it to not be able to play? Um, you know, it, it's obviously, you know, we're, I'm 23 years old. I want to play basketball. But, you know, I understand it's a learning process, and I knew that coming into it. We're going to have a really good team, and most of the guys are going to be back. So I knew that coming into it on draft night, and I knew I was going to have to, you know, sit back, you know, kind of just be a sponge. And it's not, I'm not used to, you know, I had a redshirt year at Syracuse, and that's kind of how I looked at this past year. Uh, just as a redshirt, uh, just trying to learn as much as I can and work in practice and after practice, before practice, and just work and just try to get the most out of it. What did you take out of your rookie year? What kind of stuff was it? Um, you know, Coach Snyder is a really technical guy. He likes things done a certain way. So just understanding his play style, you know, offense and defense. Um, I learned a lot from his terminology stuff and uh, just where to be, uh, you know, how to be positioned. It's huge. Again, he's a very technical guy. He wants things done a specific, specific way. And uh, I'm just learning to adjust to his, his play system. What have you been doing? I mean, you got hurt last mm-hmm. year, right? Or were you sick? Uh, yeah, I was, I was hurt and I hurt my, my ankle, yeah. How was that? What's that rehab been like? And then, I mean, obviously you're you're ready to play now. Right. What have you been doing over the last few months? Yeah, you know, I, it was hard. You know, I was hurt. Uh, you know, I already wasn't playing as it is. Um, you know, it was just it just kind of sucked just to you know kind of be doing other things and other other before that other guys weren't doing. Um, you know, not being dressed. You know, having the rehab process was a long process. Um, and even coming back, you know, I, I was still not you know 100 percent like in the best shape. You know, I. It is what it is, but um, I'm back now. I'm healthy. I'm 100%. I'm ready to go. Um, you know, I slimmed down a little bit, so uh, I'm just ready to go. Quinn's thing is just always defense. Yeah. It's for everybody. Right. Guys, yeah. Guys. So what do you do to improve defensively? What have you done? How do you do it when you're not playing against that? Right. Defense? I think the biggest thing is just my being what shape I'm in. You know, the, the amount of conditioning I've done so far this summer, uh, trying to get in, in the best shape possible, the best shape of my life. Uh, to be able to you know, maintain and stay on the floor and, and guard guys at a high level um, and keep guys in front and just help in any way I can. So it's, for me, you know, not playing, just you know, watching what I eat, uh, amount of sleep, all that, the little things, just trying to get in the best shape possible. And then what do you hope to show in the next three weeks? Um, you know, that, I'm, well, the shape I'm in, uh, how well I'm guarding, energy I'm playing with, um, me shooting the ball, uh, making open shots, you know, just getting in the paint, making plays, um, try, to, try to show my complete game. Offensively and defensively. Do you feel like one of the leaders on the team just because you've been here, you've done it? Yeah, you know, we got guys like you know, JB, Jarrell, and uh, Jawan, and myself, Trent, uh, Doak. He's been around. We've all been around for the past year, and we've took a lot from this year. JB and uh, Jawan being here the last two years. So they're like the vets on the team now. So I'm just trying to pitch in, help the new guys, uh, speak when I can, um, and just help when I can. Do you think you've gotten better over the last year? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, just, you know, the way I'm moving, the way I'm flowing into the offense now. The way my footwork has been in offense and now on defense, uh, the way I'm communicating. So I've definitely took a huge leap, in my opinion. Is it exciting to be able to finally show that to people? Oh, man, uh, it's basketball. You know, I love basketball. I've been playing this game since I was like four or five. So, you know, I get to hoop. You know, I just love being able to hoop. Um, it's my favorite thing to do. Uh, I'm just excited. Uh, Justin Zanuck said the other night that he views this almost as like a second rookie season for the right. mm-hmm. How tough was it? Like, Knowing in advance, you know, even before the injury, like mm-hmm. you could go to 15 G League games, you know, the season's impressed, not many practices. Right. It's going to be tough kind of made it through that. Do you, are you looking forward to a little more, like, Normalcy, I guess, coming Absolutely, no. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Like, like I said, you know, over and over, I love basketball. I love to hoop. Um, so just being able to, you know, play in this the summer league the next few weeks. You know, I've really been trying to focus on taking everything one day at a time. You know, I can't look too far ahead. Um, I just want to, you know, make sure I got better today. You know, what I do today to get better. And um, that's kind of been our, our our mindset of all the young guys is taking it one day at a time. Let's push each other today. 
get better today, and then whatever happens tomorrow happens tomorrow. You know, we can't control it. So, um, and I think the biggest thing, it was a tough year, but we all had each other to lean on. You know, There's five or six of us who, who weren't really in the rotation, so we had each other to lean on. You know, we would stick together. You know, we would play three on three all the time, four on four, all kinds of stuff. And we just, we you know, always around each other. So it helped a lot having, you know, other guys in the same position as you. Do you have any kind of, I mean, on one hand, you say you're going to, you know, the, the focus is to take things one day at a time. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, is there any kind of expectation in your mind that, I mean, again, you know, to reiterate, I'm just saying I can't control what happens, you know, in the next couple of weeks or a couple of months. You know, I can control what I do every single day. And that's what I'm trying to come in here and do. And I uh, try to focus in defensively, number one, and then let my offense come. You know, I've had a lot of talks with, you know, KD, Keon Doolin, our assistant coach here. And um, he's been really big on picking my spots on offense, letting it come to me. And then, you know, Steve worked with me every single day endlessly with uh, my shots and my defensive stuff. Uh, our, we have a routine we go through. So I'm just, again, I can't control, you know, what happens uh, with, you know, the new roster or whatever happens. But um, I, I can just control what I do every day. Defensively, kind of what's your comfort level in terms of being able to guard guys in some positions just with the game being, you know, a little more positionless at this point? Right. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to in summer league showing that my versatility, you know, guarding one through four, um, sometimes even five in small ball. So. I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, I'm ready to showcase what I can do on defense. You know, I, I know I'm a, I'm a Syracuse guy, so I know the typical Syracuse you know stigma on guys coming out is that you know they're they're not good defenders. So I'm just ready to you know break that stigma. All right, there's Elijah Hughes, Adoke Azubuike, and Jarrell Brantley getting ready for the start of summer league. When we come back, I know some of you need a little blast of college football, so we're gonna do that next. The head coach of the Oregon Ducks. Tough guy. Positive, upbeat guy. Mario Cristobal, next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Mario Cristobal, head coach of the Oregon Ducks at Pac-12 Media Days. A lot of people think Oregon is the Pac-12's best chance to get to a playoff. Win the conference and get to a playoff. Here's the head coach of the Ducks with PK and Jake on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coach, how you doing? Thanks for a few minutes. Well, thank you for having me. Doing great. You know, a lot of energy, a lot of juice here this morning. And uh, good to finally be doing stuff in person again. So thank you for having me. I did not know that former offensive linemen can be so that, that nimble in ping pong. How about that, huh? <laughs> that forehand. You know, that was yeah, fierce. Well, uh, that's a result of, of, of skipping school in the fourth grade and then getting absolutely a terrible day with my parents when they found out I was playing ping pong and getting good at it. So There you go. Uh, tell us, Coach, a uh, broad picture. Tell us about uh, this year's squad and what do you expect? Just expect a really hungry and physical football team that um, is coming off of what we feel is our best offseason with a lot to prove. You know, we... Uh, we're young, but we do have experience at several. We don't have deep experience. We have good depth, but we have a senior-laden team at a, a pretty good amount of positions. Then we have youth at about, in fact, 75, almost 80% of our team is in their third year or less in our program. So um, love the hunger. 
love the unity of this football team, love the fact that we have shown we can make explosive plays and we could prevent them as well. I uh, love the fact we could be physical up front, you know, and we could go through guys and around them. But all in all, there's lots of work to do, you know, but we prepared ourselves to have a very physical and demanding camp. And we'll get a lot of those questions answered here in the coming month. Safe to say that one of the bigger questions is who's going to be the starting quarterback? Well, I, in terms of the word question, we feel confident in what the result there is going to be. I think it's a question to the outside world because they haven't seen us practice aside from the spring game, right? So I feel confident in the following things that Coach Moorhead now has been with us for over a year. And in year one, never really had a chance to implement his system, not completely, and not to his liking, to his, I would say, expectation. Or he never had the chance to work with these quarterbacks because this this offense is a quarterback-driven offense, you know. So I feel that Anthony Brown's experience and what he has done in practice has made him the leader for this position right now. He is a starter going into the fall. But we also have some really young, talented guys that merit the opportunity to compete, and they're going to compete, and they're going to get their opportunity to try to win that job as well. So I think it would be an injustice to Anthony, to the football team, if we didn't play it out that way. He deserves to be the starter going in, but we're going to make sure that we amp up the competition. We had a chance to talk to uh, to Kayvon Thibodeau a little bit uh, earlier, and uh, what a what a cool dude. I mean, for lack of a better term, but can you you've had a lot of special players come through your program, and certainly high profile guys that, that have gone on to have success in the next level. Talk about him from that perspective. How good could he be? Well, I mean, sky's the limit for him, and I think the best part about it, he has all that ability. But he also, you know, they call it five star ability. He also has five star work ethic, and we're going to be as good as he pushes himself and pushes those around him. And he knows that, understands it, has fully digested it, and has implemented that in his actions. He leads by example. He works hard. He knows we have a great opportunity. We have a really talented football team, and it's going to take the leaders of this football team to get the most out of it. He's taken on that role. He's embraced it. He's attacked it. And so far, the results have been really good. Just so you know, PK tried to bait him into talking about himself a bunch, and he wouldn't do it. He was all about the team. He said team and leadership – he, he had those right answers. Yeah, he, I mean, he's awesome. I mean, I, he's crazy, but at the college level, he reminds me of Lawrence Taylor, you know. He's just a stud. Uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. But I can argue collectively your best group on defense is your linebackers. Could be. You know, could be. I think uh, – those guys really jump out, and they jumped out in the spring game as well. You saw probably a, a more physical brand, right? You saw some really large human beings uh, that are young but really talented and explosive. You know, those they're knockback tacklers, which is what you want at the middle linebacker position, right? You want guys on contact to make sure they go low to high and drive people backwards, opposite to the first down mark. And we have that. We have that on the edges as well. You combine that with some safeties that are willing tacklers that could run the alley and get downhill that are heavy strikers you got yourself a chance to stop the run really really well while playing coverage how big of an adjustment has the name image and likeness changes been from a head coach's perspective because you kind of don't have anything to do with that but yet these players are your guys right 
The only change I see is the educational part is because it's new for everybody. There is no precedent, and you're trying to figure that part out. But And I've said it, and it'll be the theme all day long. If you have to change the way you coach because of a change in the rules, then you weren't you weren't doing it the right way to begin with. I, I really believe that. That means that you weren't being authentic. You weren't being real. We're real to a fault, man. We are like full throttle, foot on the gas. Like We are intense. We demand the most. We challenge. We love them up. And we do right by our guys. And now there's a piece and an opportunity. But remember, it's also an opportunity to hurt your brand if you don't use it appropriately, right? So there's a lot of education involved. But all in all, we're happy that they have the opportunity to, to profit off their name, image, and likeness. Oregon's a national program, obviously, has achieved great things. And you've stabilized the program after some coaching. Uh, I don't know, whatever you want to say. Just uh, guys coming and going to an extent. Uh, you got a huge, huge game, Ohio State, the second week of the season back there. Do you feel a need to carry the banner for the conference at all? Well, I think two things. I think I'm going to disappoint a lot of people today not talking about any other opponents because it just it doesn't fit our culture. That would be you have to acknowledge the fact that we have a great opportunity, and you come to Oregon to play in those games. I came to be able to coach in those games and be part of something like that. But um, in terms of we don't – the word pressure is like really you got really I played for Jimmy Johnson Dennis Erickson at Miami like the word pressure didn't exist it was all opportunity you know and I think we're proud of being part of this conference but our whole focus is on Oregon you know we don't try to carry banners for this and that proud of our conference going to represent our conference we're going to represent ourselves first and foremost you know and in that I think everybody else you know the conference itself can gain some notoriety when we do have success Uh, we talked to Alex earlier as well, and he said how excited he was to be back to normal in a sense of playing in front of Did he bring his gallon of water with him? <laughs> he didn't, actually. He didn't. Is he famous for that? Oh, I'm going to have to get after him. <laughs> he should have it over there somewhere. <laughs> but you have one of the special environments in the co- in the conference up there at Autzen, and uh, I'm sure that was something you guys missed a little bit last year. It, it's it was The strangest thing in the world was running out to cardboard cutouts. <laughs> I, yeah. could, I, can't, I know everybody did it, and everybody felt some sort of way. I just remember looking around going okay and then but we're the type of squad that we'll we'll play at the walmart parking lot so we don't care but initially that was damn had to be weird yeah it was strange it was strange but you know what we got the opportunity to play and we made sure our players didn't lean on excuses these circumstances were not unique to us everybody had them around the world so it is what it is you talk about coming to oregon you play that national schedule i'm interested in your philosophies and scheduling because a couple years ago who was it did you get beat by was it Auburn early in the season and then you run through and I think the next to the last game uh, the Devils go deep, a receiver catches it who's in the NFL and that keeps you out of the playoff and so what is your philosophy on scheduling relative to Oregon, but also the conference playing nine games when other conferences are not playing? So the college playoff is always going to be one of the goals for Oregon, justifiably so. But it seems like there's potentially easier ways to get that. But Oregon plays the tougher schedule. So could you speak to all that? Yeah, you know, I, in, in 19, we had a, we had everything in front of us. OK, and credit to Arizona State. They found a way to win that game. And then shame on us. You know, we should have won. We should have done a better job preparing to win that. We prepared as well as we could. We didn't get it done, but that's on us completely. So we controlled our own destiny at the time. So in terms of scheduling, like um, the nine game versus an eight game schedule in conference, 
I think there's a lot of benefits to both. I think having an eight-game conference schedule, giving you the ability to schedule games and opponents in parts of the country where you're going to be recruiting uh, prominent out-of-conference teams, I think there's a lot to be said that that's worth a lot. There's a lot of value to that. I know that our players love, we recruit nationally, right? We're all over the country. We'd like to be able to go to different parts of the country and play a little bit more often than what we do. Uh, and at the same time, the nine-game conference schedule, you're playing in a league there where there's a lot of parity, where every Saturday it's, it's kind of up in the air as to who's going to win, and it's difficult. And along the way, yeah, you look at the course of the last six seasons, there's been opportunities where later in the season a team's been knocked out by a conference opponent. Well, if that's the case, well, then, you know what? Don't deserve to be there quite yet. So um, so I don't think there's a negative to either one. I do like the, the thought of an eight-game schedule so you have more flexibility of where to do it. There's Mario Cristobal, head coach of the Oregon Ducks. When we come back, Dan Feldman, NBC Sports with PK and I on free agency and his expectations for this offseason. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. It is time to talk a little basketball now with Dan Feldman. We had him on later in yesterday's show. Uh, most of the stuff he's going to talk about here at the start of what he expects to happen in free agency did indeed happen right out of the gate in free agency. But there are also some bigger th- picture things that we still have to see how they shake out. So, to look ahead to the offseason, here's Dan Feldman from NBC with PK and I on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, uh, what is the number one storyline? Where is the most drama in your mind? Well... You know, you, you can go a couple different ways. Kawhi Leonard probably will stay with the Clippers, but the chance he does anything is so important, right? If he changes teams, it changes the entire league. I'm not sure there's another free agent out there who has that power. So even with the low odds of him moving, uh, you still have to keep an eye on that. Uh, there's a lot of drama around uh, Kyle Lowry. It does seem like a sign-and-trade to the Heat is likely, but you never know. Uh, nothing is technically allowed to be set yet. A lot of teams are interested in Lowry. Everybody he saw that he was attainable. Uh, most free agents end up re-signing with their prior team, uh, and, and so it seems like that wasn't happening with Lowry. So a lot of teams were interested. And, and then the next question is, if that Lowry signing trade to the Heat does happen, how do these other teams pivot? How do the Pelicans pivot? How do the Mavericks pivot? Uh, it, you know, where do they go? They've got the money to spend. If they wanted Lowry, who are their plan Bs? Uh, and then how does all that trickle down? What do you think the Jazz could have available to them as far as the mid-level exception? Yeah, so some of this is going to depend on how willing they are to spend it. It does look likely the Jazz will re-sign Mike Conley. Uh, that's going to put the team uh, into the luxury tax. Obviously, the mid-level exception would put them even further into the luxury tax. Uh, you know, I think after trading Derek Favors, Jazz needs some help at center. Uh, I really like Nerlens Noel. I think he's perpetually underrated. Uh, you know. 
probably available through the mid-level exception. I'm not sure he's the very best fit in Utah, uh, but he would allow the Jazz to have a more versatile defender in some ways uh, behind Rudy Gobert. Um, maybe uh, somebody like Rudy Gay uh, could be a super small ball backup center, a very different option. Obviously, somebody could play with Rudy Gobert and prove that, that forward depth too. Somebody like that could make sense. What do you think about uh, Olenek? Yeah, uh, makes sense fit-wise. Uh, the Jazz are a team trying to win a championship, obviously, and I, I have some questions about uh, if Kelly Olynyk will find matchups where he's a good enough defender in the playoffs. He might just get deep into the playoffs and say, oh, no, like we cannot play Kelly Olynyk," uh, and that would obviously be a disaster. The Jazz need to find somebody who fits best in the playoffs. Uh, that should be the goal. Given the fact that they are so far over the cap and into the tax – and, and we're going under the assumption here of what you said, that Conley resigns here. The Jazz needs someone to take the minutes when Gobert sits, that used to go to favors. But I think after the playoffs, the Jazz feel like, uh, certainly Jazz fans feel like the team needs another wing player. Which one of those is more important? Because when you talk about Nerlens Noel, he doesn't shoot the three. He's just going to play when, when Gobert sets. Some of the other guys you mentioned, eh, maybe they could provide both in a kind of a small ball matchup. Yeah, I mean, that's the dream. That's why I mentioned Rudy Gobert as somebody, or excuse me, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gay, uh, as somebody who could maybe do both, but it's hard to find somebody who can do both uh, credibly. Kelly Olynyk is one of those guys who could maybe do both, but I also think they wind up doing neither. Uh, I do think uh, that backup center is probably the bigger thing, as long as that player can play in the playoffs. Because Rudy Gobert, he can't play 48 minutes. That's going to be a big hole. I think we've seen with the uh, 76ers. Uh, at times without Joel Embiid, uh, that's when they lose games. Uh, they, they've dominated with Joel Embiid on the court in the playoffs, and he sits for a few minutes, and that's why they lose. And you don't want to be in that boat. Uh, the, the Jazz absolutely could use another wing. That would help them a lot in the playoffs. It is a big need. It's not that far behind uh, backup center, but you can manage your rotation in ways uh, where that's not a huge liability. Backup center could be a huge liability. So a lot of times the way this free agency works in general is they wait for one or two top dogs to fo- uh, decide and figure out where they're going to go. And then other guys start to see movement or after that and get slotted in wherever they might fit in the grand scheme of things. But I'm wondering this year with this Ben Simmons stuff out there, does it make it a little different in terms of teams weren't really sure how everything is going to f- play out? until or if he's traded? Uh, to a degree for certain teams. Like, let's say, uh, I don't know if the Knicks have interest in him in particular. There's Damian Lillard out there, too. Um, where I, I think a team like the Knicks that has a lot of cap space, has some draft assets after the uh, Christoph Porzingis trade. Um, depends what you think of their young players. I think opinions vary on them. Uh but they're going to face some choices where, hey, do we want to keep our flexibility, our assets open, or do we want to try and maximize our team? We just had a good year, made the playoffs for the first time in a while, and uh, you know we ca- they have the cap space to become even better next year. But if you use that cap space, uh, maybe it's on players the 76ers don't want. Maybe it's on players the Trailblazers don't want. Then you muck up your flexibility. So I think there are going to be some select teams that face those decisions. Uh, but for most teams, they 
I don't know what you'd do otherwise, right? You can't just wait on the chance of a Damian Lillard trade. It doesn't sound like any Ben Simmons trades are close with what Philly's offering. I mean, you know, if you're a team that thinks, oh, you know, we're right there on Ben Simmons, we just got to gotta get these negotiations done, then, yeah, you'll probably wait on free agents because you don't want to screw it up. I don't think there's that team that's close. The Lakers took their shot with Westbrook. Are you putting them at the top of the West, or is this a horse race and everybody's got a shot coming down the stretch? I think it's pretty open. I'm I'm not a big fan of what Russell Westbrook brings to that team. There are pauses, no question. The Lakers can win the championship. They are a contender. They're in the mix. But the floor spacing uh, with Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, I don't like it one bit. They have a chance to address it. They can get good shooters around them. Uh, but once you have those three on the court, you can only do so much uh, in those other two slots, especially if Anthony Davis uh, doesn't want to play center. Or, uh, you know, I do believe uh, – he faces greater injury risk at center with all, all the physical pounding at that position. So there's a risk there, right? But if you bring in another center, oh, my goodness, the spacing is going to be, be tough. Russell Westbrook uh, does not defend well. Uh, he's very active, uh, but he, his defense isn't actually good. Maybe he'd be better in a better environment. Maybe he'd be more committed. Uh, but we've had a long career of where he's at to know uh, that hasn't happened before. So that seems pretty unlikely to me. But when you have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook is very talented, does a lot of good things on the court. Uh, they have a chance. Uh, but I'd probably put a, the Jazz ahead of them in the pecking order. How much interest do you think Chris Paul is going to get around the league? It should be a ton. I, I hear some of these uh, contract numbers floated from three years, $90 million, three years, $100 million. And I'm wondering, like, why isn't the team offering more? Uh, why isn't there pressure on Phoenix to offer the very most uh, they can offer? You know, he, he's still an excellent player. There's risk about how he ages over his next contract. And once he gets to mid-30, signing a three-year, the Suns could even sign him to a four-year contract. Uh, there's a lot of danger on the back end. But he's so good right now. We saw that last season. I think a lot of teams uh, should want him on their team. And uh, I, I don't know why he's not getting even more, even though I, I understand he's getting a historic amount for a player his age. So do you see anything that's really changing the balance of power in the West that is either has happened or is about to happen, or are we going to have a similar storyline to what we had this past year? And it's going to feel wide open. Feel pretty open, uh, you know. <laughs> balance of power. Uh, one of the biggest things that's happened is Ka- Kawhi Leonard getting hurt. We still don't know many details of how long he'll be out. That type of injury can vary. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get those types of details. Uh, but that you know obviously changes whether the Clippers are probably in my mind the top. Uh, championship contender in the West or whether they're not really in championship contention. So so that's a pretty big swing there. Uh, But because these top teams in the West have already uh, used so much of their flexibility, their rosters seem fairly set. I think otherwise it's headed that way unless something crazy happens with Chris Paul, but I'm not expecting that. So you're saying you expect the uh, the Suns then to get Chris Paul back? I do. That seems most likely at, at this point. Uh, you know, he opted out, uh, so it'd be on a new contract. That's how they'd structure it. Uh, it just seems all the momentum is that way. But he is a free agent. Other teams can get involved. Anything can happen. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not a lock, uh, but I think it's far more likely than not. Is Dallas going to put anyone alongside Luka Doncic that is going to vault them into the top tier with everybody else? 
So I, I do think they will get there in the championship contender. I guess I'm just kind of assuming they're going to get somebody. I don't think they were that far off uh, last year. They played the Clippers very hard, very well. Uh, Luka Doncic is obviously growing. Like I'm just kind of projecting them uh, taking that next step. So being, I'd say, uh, on the lower end of that championship contender tier, uh, I don't know who they're going to get, but they've got so much cap space that I, I just figure they're going to bolster their roster somehow, and they don't need a ton to get to the lower end of championship contention. Uh, you know, they need to strike big to, to really move up there, but just to get in the conversation, they don't need much. And the Clippers obviously are a lot of talk regarding uh, Kawhi Leonard, but they all got they also have Batum. I'm not sure I'm really sold on him as somebody who can really help your team, but nevertheless, he's out there. What type of interest do you think he'll get throughout the league? I guess I'm a little higher on him uh, than you are. I, I, I like how he plays. Uh, he's a, a smart, unselfish player. Can uh, defend, can play on both ends. I think that's a big thing in the playoffs. A lot of times in the playoffs, it becomes about your weakness. Uh, other teams will exploit your weakness. Well, but Tim doesn't really have a weakness. He's a, he's a nice, solid, all-around player. If you're a little stronger, I'd like him a lot for the Jazz, for what we were talking about, somebody who can bridge that gap and be a small ball five and be that forward Utah needs, uh, he wouldn't be the worst option in that role by any means. Uh, if the Jets could get him, I'd like him a lot more than other players that are probably available if you're only spending the mid-level exception or even only a portion of the mid-level exception. But a lot of teams will be interested in him because he's that smart, all-around veteran player that fits in anywhere. Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk, joining us. So the Warriors, are they going to make any moves, or are we basically looking at the core of who they are? And if so, how well do those pieces fit together? It doesn't sound like they're going to do anything. I don't know what's available to them, so it's always tough to criticize the team for not making a trade. But it seems to me they should probably make a trade. Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, uh, at least if he's healthy on Clay Thompson, are really good and they fit amazing together. Teams could use more help. These guys are getting older. Their championship window is still open, if only just a crack. To me, you got to do everything you can to maximize that. You don't want to waste a year where Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and maybe Clay Thompson are still in their primes uh, because you have some younger players. It's tough. I don't know what's available to them, and maybe there isn't that trade out there. Uh, but I think they could find something. I don't know how much you follow college basketball, but Baylor won it all last year, obviously. And the Jazz got a player who played a pretty good role for Baylor in this Butler kid. Do you think they found something? I do. I, I like him. Uh, I, I had him rated in the mid-first round. Now, there are some health issues. He got red flagged in the pre-draft process, then cleared. So I don't really know what to make of that. Uh, I do kind of wonder whether that's why he fell or if there's something else in his game that I'm missing. If, if it's you know uh, the health issues, then you never know, right? Teams have more access uh, to, to health info than I do, and so can project better there. Uh, but it's hard to imagine he had something where he was cleared, where he wasn't a good bet at number 40. Uh, a, a nice, skilled guard. Uh, he can shoot. He can play inside a little. Uh, you know, he, he could fit into the Jazz rotation sooner than later. I, I never want to project rookies for much of a big role. But maybe maybe uh, later in the year, maybe next year, uh, maybe even sooner, right? I mean, some rookies every once in a while uh, exceed expectations. And I think to have a player you get in the second round with even a chance of cracking the rotation of a championship caliber, that's a home run pick. 
Well, I think a lot of us are assuming that Mike Conley is going to play 50 to 60 regular season games. If he's got to step into rotation for 25-ish games, give or take a little bit, can he do that? Maybe. <laughs> Rookie, rookies tend not to be good. I think people tend to overrate rookies there. They often don't really understand how to contribute to winning at the NBA level. Uh, but again, just to have a chance of that happening with somebody you pick at number 40 uh, is pretty good. Almost every other number 40 pick, you say, well, no, he's going to need more time uh, to, to help a team as good as Utah. Not happening this year. No way. And so we're, we're even talking about the possibility. That, that bodes well. Dan Feldman, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Dan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for hopping on with us. Thanks for having me. There's Dan Feldman, writing for NBC Sports. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are coming up. Stay with us.